At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, before you tap into this latest Lakers Legacy podcast episode... We would please like to ask for your guys' support. All you have to do is subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating and review. That goes a long way in maintaining the consistency and quality of this podcast moving forward. And also, it just lets us know that you're listening, and we love to know that you're listening. So thanks for your support, and yeah, go hit that five-star rating and review button. And now, on with the showtime. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where in a season marked by 500 million starting lineups, no continuity, and a malcontent former superstar point guard, it was the Lakers' bright young piece of the future who unfortunately ended up bearing the harshest brunt of all of that roster-fit ills, and unfortunately succumbing to the limbo that was his place on the team. And so for THT, this season was a talon of two cities, a talon of two Tuckers, a talon of Dr. Horton, Mr. Tucker, featuring the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And now time's run out on what to do with the promising young unicorn out of Chi-Town. Maybe. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And in today's episode, we ask the question... What to do with Talon? The hell do we do with THT? THT doesn't even turn 22 till November, which is insane. But we've essentially got one year left to see what we have with him, if that, because he's also one of our only trade pieces with salary ballast this offseason. So he may even be swung in a trade for some other assets. So remains to be seen. But THT had such a bizarre season. He's such a unique player for better or for worse, to the bitter end. As I mentioned, he had the highest of highs this season with 40-point career high, started off the season with three games out the bat where he 
came in like gangbusters, like 17, 28, 25. He's hitting four of nine from three, three of five from three. And it's like, oh, here we go. Third year burst for THT. But that ended up sputtering out for one reason or another. His physical tools are undeniable. There's a reason why Masai Ujiri always wants him in a trade whenever we talk to the Raptors. But Tommy, before I get more into his season, quick vibe check. And this is a hard question to answer, but based off of what you're feeling right now, are you in or out on THD? Oh, okay, quick vibe check. Overall, I'm still in, um, but it's contextual. I'll just leave it at that sure. for now. Okay, no, that makes sense, and we'll get into the context. So here's the summary of his weird year. He averaged 25 minutes this year, his highest since he's been in the NBA, 20 minutes last year. 10 points, barely got to 10 points, by the way. That 40-point game got him over the hump. This year, in 25 minutes, he averaged 10 points, 3.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists. Whenever he played 30-plus minutes, which he did in 16 games, THT averaged 16.3 points, 4.4 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 1.6 steals. His shooting splits are not that great. 43% from the field, 25% from three, 81% from free throws from the stripe. If you look at his per 36, this is the lowest of any of his three years. And there are a number of different reasons. Um, One being the terrible fit on this roster because Russell Westbrook came in and totally threw a loop and threw a wrench into everything that we wanted THT to do. And then second injuries as well, because he started off the season injured and then throughout the season, even after he returned, he gained a bunch of knickknack injuries that sort of jostled him back and forth. So he could never really gain a rhythm. And I think for a young player who's trying to learn a new role to be the wing defender or whatever, it was really hard for THT to ever fully establish himself in any one role, actually. His best games this season, obviously the 40-point, three-rebound, three-assist, four-steal game to close the season in that last week or so against Golden State. He had that 28-point, six-rebound, two-assist, one-steal game where he hit four threes uh, his first three games back. Then 25 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block game where he hit three threes. He had a 25-5 game, a 20-point, seven-assist game. 19.6 assists, two steals. So he's definitely had these games where it's like you're just reminded of his potential and his upside. And not to mention his 40-point game. He was the third youngest Laker to score 40 points behind D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Bynum. So there's, there's no question that THT has potential and he has upside. But he also had some of the worst games ever. It's almost like that... Russell Westbrook dynamic, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde dynamic, where I could point to his highlight games and then also point to two for 13 nights where he was 0 of 8 from three, right? And wasn't doing anything for the team. And he was like getting so many offensive fouls or fouling people at the three-point line. And it was just such a bizarre year. So outside of the injuries, outside of the Russell Westbrook thing, some other things to tack on to his season are the fact that, you know, the Lakers gave him a $10 million contract before he was probably ready for it. Um, Frank Vogel didn't play to his strengths till late, didn't stagger him right with Westbrook, only started putting him in pick and rolls after the All-Star break. They had him play this wing defender role where he was supposed to be like role player coups and stand on the perimeter where his only shots would be catch and shoot threes unless he cut. Last year, THT reached double digit assists in four games. So he had like 10 assists, 12 assists, 11 assists uh, in four such games last year. Tommy, how many such games do you think he had this year? Double-digit assists. 
Uh, one? Did he have any? Zero. He didn't have any. His highest mark was seven assists, which he has achieved twice. And so I think that just shows you... Yeah, that's a pretty good... The role shift this year, right? They didn't didn't put the ball in his hands enough. And it's, it's almost like we took a... We regressed three steps back with THT, whether it's his, it's par- partially his fault, but also partially the organization's fault, right? And so he's such a, such a tough player to kind of put a finger on. To facilitate the discussion, I, I do have a hot take, though. What are your thoughts on if, we, if Russell Westbrook had never come to the Lakers and we thrust THT into Russell Westbrook's spot? So if we switch the names off the backs of the jerseys between Westbrook and Talon and gave THT Westbrook's usage and role, how do you think THT would have fared and how do you think the team would have fared? Because I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think the team would have fared better because THT, at the very least, the one thing that I feel like he improved upon this season was being more of a hound defensively. So at least he gave more effort than Westbrook on the defensive end. And he sadly finished better than Westbrook at the rim at times. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know that he would be... I see where you're going with it. Um, and it's, you know, maybe, yes, over the course of 82 games, he would have it would have, he would have gotten there. But I don't know that it really would have been better. I mean, as bad as Russ was this year, THT was... And yeah, okay, I, get, we're, I guess we're getting into the realm of, of extreme context, you know, kind of cherry-picking here a bit. But THT still didn't show enough consistency from the perimeter to to where like even if you just removed Westbrook from this entire team, plugged THD as the starting point guard, plugged him in as the starting point guard from day one, I don't know that you know, of course the numbers would be a little bit better, but I don't know that overall the team is any better off um compared to where we were. Mm-hmm. I so you you mentioned I, I like you have to put a lot of content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just think if he knew his role from the outset and had the ball more in his hands and was able to establish a rhythm, I think we could have I think he could have put similar numbers up and I think the Lakers would have been able to gel more as a team because as opposed to Westbrook, you know THT was willing to also take a step back if need be and just focus on becoming a defender. And he's just a better shot maker than Westbrook at this point, even though the field goal percentage doesn't necessarily reflect that. And even three-point shooting-wise, while he does rely on needing to step back to take that three, I mean, I kind of trust that more than whatever Westbrook was doing. And sadly, in transition, THT showed more flashes of what we were hoping for from Westbrook when he runs the floor up and down with the young dudes and is hammering down these crazy tomahawk jams, you know? So um, just in terms of the youth and that that energy and verve, I feel like it would have suited the Lakers better. And, you know, that kind of played out towards the close of the season. Though, as you mentioned, you know, Westbrook did have two months where he averaged 28-8 at the start of the season, at the end of the season, where he was pretty steady. But regardless, before we take it to break and talk about where does THT fit, your thoughts on THT's weird year, and if you could point to things that he actually improved upon that we may be able to sort of mine, what would those things be? Um, probably, I don't know. In terms of, (laughs) in terms of, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. So obviously he sucked in a lot of areas. He regressed in a lot of areas. His three point shooting has not come around yet, 
But for me, he actually did legitimately work on a left-handed game. <laughs> he was able to finish some plays not only with his left hand, but he started dribbling left and going left. So that's something of note because it became sort of a meme that Taylor Horton Tucker would always go to his right hand even when reversing and finishing um, layups and stuff. And then defensively, I think we've started to we started to see flashes of you know a solid base there, not just of a guy who's toolsy and has length, but a guy who know who can leverage that and leverage his stout body to actually be an impediment. On top of that, I think just mentality-wise, he showed a real grit and a want to play hard D, which is the most important part. Um, the next step for him is, I think, learning to be smarter uh, and better positionally and, and be a little bit more savvy with the refs because he got that Kyle Kuzma treatment where just don't contest that three-point shot. You're going to get called for a foul, you know what I'm saying? Or contest it smartly. But obviously, the biggest things he needs to work on are his jump shot, his three-point shot, especially in the catch-and-shoot. And the one thing that I feel like would make THT unstoppable is if he actually had a mid-range floater game because yeah. he can take it all the way into the basket and sometimes he can do that turnaround, you know, one-legged fadeaway Dirk shot. But if he could actually have that soft touch and loft it into the air and hit that floater, that would really open up his game for him. But yeah, quickly, just your thoughts on the weird Talon year and what you hope to see from him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, that becoming more of a reliable scorer at all levels will will help him quite a bit. I think the mid-range shot is... The mid-range game is somewhere in there. Um, because we've seen it in flashes, and he actually has, like, weirdly good touch from about 18 feet. But, you know, being able to hit the floater so that you don't have to get all the way to the basket every single time, like, he is pretty good finishing at the rim. That's been something that's been consistent about him since he was a rookie. And I frankly think will continue to develop for him as he, you know, gets more time in the NBA, because I think this year, you know, just a slight tangent this year, you know, his finishing at the rim at times took a little bit of a dip because I personally think he was still getting used to his new physique and not being able to just bulldoze people. Right. Like he did his first couple of years. Um, but yeah, being able to stop in that mid, the mid, mid, real mid range, you know, 10, eight to 10 feet away from the basket, hit a floater, you know, that sort of touch and being able to reliably hit a catch and shoot three. Um, beyond the shooting, I think the decision making, and it's hard to say how much of that is going to come with reps, but, you know, understanding when is the appropriate time for me to take a jump shot versus when is the appropriate time for me to hold the ball versus when is the appropriate time for me to catch and go. It felt like he was all over the place um, this season in terms of when the ball hit his hands, you never knew exactly what he was going to do. If like he would be catching it in stride, like one-on-one with his, his man and would just stop. Um, And then other times he would catch the ball in stride with three guys in front of him and dive into the rim. So it was always kind of hard to tell exactly what he was doing. And I think that's maybe another thing that'll come with maturity and and poise is not feeling like everything is so rushed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. We'll take it to break. And when we return, we'll just ask the question, does he fit on this contending Lakers team? Or is it time to say goodbye to THT? So we'll just kind of toss that around for a bit and uh yeah we will catch you guys after the break all right tommy interesting what if question to you because unlike some of our other young core players in the past who are able to develop their first one or two three years under a system which was pretty much 
catered to them because it was during tank rebuilding seasons. And so they got as much usage as they wanted. They were able to play at least 28 minutes. THT didn't have the benefit that D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson had. And the question I want to pose to you is, if THT had actually given that, if THT had actually been given that opportunity to play 28, 30 minutes in at least one season, and more importantly, have the usage and, and the leash to work with, do you think he'd be a better prospect now? And then does that change your outlook on him? And at his age right now, still 21, about to turn 22, do you do you still think that THT is a better prospect than B.I. and D'Lo were at their ages? It's hard to tell because, again, he was not put in the same context as them, so we have really no way of knowing. Do I think he's more advanced or I guess just like a better prospect than them based off of his tools. And you can't really look at the stats, right? Because we don't know what 30-minute a game with ultimate leash in a tank season THT could do because he could have easily put up what B.I. put up his first year in New Orleans or even his last year with the Lakers. So, I mean, at 21 years old, I think he's about where those guys were. Maybe B.I. was like a little bit ahead. Um so it, it is hard to tell. It's just, you know, his game is like a little bit weird and you have a hard time. It's less like, you know, B.I. who or D'Lo or really any of our young guys we had back in the day. Like with the exception of Randall, you know, all of our former lottery picks, if, if we're comparing THT to that crop, had some sort of history of being able to shoot the ball. Whereas THT, his entire basketball career that we were aware of, he hasn't really been able to do that Mm -hmm. starting from college through the NBA. So it's, that is going to be a huge factor in how good this guy ends up getting, because we can say, and all of those guys, by the way, that I just referenced, even including Randall ended up becoming very adequate NBA shooters or even elite in some cases, but THT, it, there are also a, a number of guys who never hit that point. Um, and so where does THT fall on that? Frankly, I think if he just ends up as like an average shooter, it'll make him an amazing prospect. So, you know, overall, hard to say. I think in terms of where he is physically, he's probably among the most advanced. You know, if you're looking at towards back towards uh, all those guys we had um, during our lottery years, like... THT at 21 years old is pretty far along physically. And I think that he benefited from being on being drafted so young and being able to sort of work on that aspect in the background um, when he didn't have to play as much everywhere else. I, he needs quite a bit of work. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought up Julius Randle because the next question I want to ask you is what's the best case scenario for THT at this point, even though obviously we don't have a crystal ball. We can't assume anything based off of just how he started his first three years and the differing context that he had to deal with in each year. But when he was popping off at the beginning of preseason last year, people were calling him James Harden. I was calling him a smaller Paul Pierce. And then reality check this year, at least as far as it stands right now, it, he's starting to look more like a smaller, more skilled, lankier version of Julius Randle, right? Everything that entails with it, like the offensive fouls, the barreling into people. Um, And so I think for me, I don't know about what you think about this, but, and we started to see it too, especially in relation to Westbrook. You're kind of like, man, THT is kind of like a second younger Westbrook out there where it's just like the mistakes, the decision-making is weird, but when he 
flashes his upside, especially in the open court. You're just so tantalized by everything he can do. And then especially when you combine that with his defense availability and just being able to clean strip guys and then take it all the way for a jam. Like that's the type of stuff that you see visions of grandeur of. And so for me, my dream for him is to become so good defensively, Tommy, that he morphs from just being like a smaller Julius Randle and turns into like a Draymond Green type who has more finishing ability and rim penetration skills and being able to finish. Because Draymond Green obviously doesn't like to score. But like if he can really hone in on the defensive end and turn into a Julius Randle-Draymond fusion at the guard spot, I think that could be a useful player even if his three-point shot never comes around, although I am hoping that he becomes at least a 35% three-point shooter. What are your thoughts on that? And just, I guess, what's the best-case scenario you see of THT in terms of mold in your mind at this point? Yeah, I think if he can develop in the same way that Random, like you mentioned, Randall developed over time, that's probably the best-case scenario. Like, he doesn't need to be... He has a varied enough skill set and interesting enough measurables that... I don't think he has to be an elite shooter, although he's a guard. Um, like you said, if he can hit 35%, pretty much about league average from three, I think he'll be a really good player. I think, and I hope, he continues to really, really decide and, you know, beyond deciding that, you know, just sort of accepting that his overall maximum ideal output as a player is going to come when he fully embraces his defensive identity. The faster he gets to that point, the faster I think his value starts to skyrocket because Mm -hmm. the offense, you know, there's guys you can, we signed Malik Monk for a minimum contract last year and he was much better than THD offensively, right? Like you'll always be able to find guys who can get you the offense, but if THT can, make himself an elite defender, I think that will push him into the next sort of tier of player than, you know, uh, than what he's looked like so far. I think he started to, he started to take those steps, but, you know, he's got all of the physical tools to get there and he just has to realize that. Well, it's kind of like the Stanley Johnson effect, right? Like reverse, reverse engineering things because, you know, THT can always fall back on his unique physical traits and the offensive tools he already has like that six step back jump shot the pirouetting spin moves into the lane and nifty finishes he can always fall back on that right if he hones himself defensively kind of like stanley johnson and as we're seeing stanley johnson develop into a better rounded player we see stanley stanley johnson channeling his lotto pick scoring prowess all of a sudden where he's pulling up for mid-range jump shots and nailing them and you're like oh this dude can actually dribble oh yeah he was a lotto pick duh I feel like that's the way that THT can become the fully realized version of himself. And so my last question for you, Tommy, is so far we've been talking about THT in a vacuum. And it's sort of been idealistic in terms of, yeah, we can see the trajectory of like a really useful player. But with regards to the one-year, two-year window that we have with LeBron James and Anthony Davis... Is THT long for the Lakers? And if he is and he's able to do everything that we've said... Does is there a scenario where he actually works with such a high usage player as LeBron James and Anthony Davis and even if we keep Malik Monk and all these other ball handling point guards when we know it almost feels like you're cheapening THT's value by just making him a, a defensive wing player even though he's, that still provides utility it's like almost you're not 
mining as much upside as you could be if you put the ball in his hands, but it's kind of like the Russell Westbrook situation. But if you put the ball in his hands on this team, you're probably also not utilizing your team to the fullest extent because you have LeBron James, you know? So it's kind of like a tough scenario. And I, I think right now, the best case scenario for me in terms of looking around the league, in terms of is there a template for this, in terms of having a big three, and I'm not talk, calling THT a big three, but in terms of high usage guys who need the ball, is there a template that we can look at? And I think... If THG can mold his game into becoming a worse shooting version of what Tyrese Maxey is for the Sixers next to Harden and Embiid, I think it can sort of work. Especially because Tyrese Maxey is not a defensive player, but what he has done next to James Harden after making this huge leap for himself this sophomore year is he's become dynamic and lethal in transition. He's become dynamic off-ball while still retaining a lot of his own scoring on-ball prowess for himself. And he also raised his three-point percentage from 30% his rookie season to 42% this year, hitting 1.8 a game. I don't think THT can ever get to that level of uh, three-point shooting, but in terms of just finding a way to fit next to two guys who need the ball uh, while still sort of being able to maintain your offensive identity, I think that's sort of where I see THT going if it does work out. But yeah, your final thoughts on whether THT is long for the Lakers and what that might actually look like next to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and other dudes who need the ball. Because presumably outside of Monk, maybe we're even bringing in, you know, another high-profile, you know, scoring guard or whatever. Maybe Brogdon's here. So yeah, your thoughts on that. I think THT has a role, but yes, it's going to be heavily contextual and based on whatever we're able to get in a Westbrook trade. Because priority number one is dealing with that, right? So once that's dealt with, I think THT, again, not necessarily his fault and is probably going to end up being the case where in three years when LeBron is retired and, yep. you know, AD is moved on to a new team, we're going to, THT is just going to be taking off as like, you know, one of the top, or becoming like a, a solid starter somewhere in the NBA. Just like every one of our guys. Just like all of our other guys, right? (laughs) So we've done a good job identifying these guys and, and it's unfortunate that we tend to drop them before we give them a chance to fully realize their ability. I mean, for all the positive talk I had, you know, we both, all, all Laker fans had about Austin Reeves this year. Austin Reeves is older than THT. You know what I mean? I know he was NBA rookie, but he has a lot more basketball experience in a way. So, um, I think THT has a role. I don't know, but that said, he's by no means untouchable. I think he might even be more, um, more touch. They might even be more, well, <laughs> yeah, he might even be more touchable than, uh, Austin Reeves, right? Uh, just because it's of his THT contract. touchable is how I like to call it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because of his contract situation, right? So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but so much of this is going to be heavily, dependent on what happens with Russ. But all this said, I don't think this down year or I guess below expectation year that he had is just the end of that is going to be the reason that his time with the Lakers is over. It it's still going to have to take something real for us to move on from him. Um, and I don't know that we'll get there. So I would not be surprised at all if THD was still on the team next season, for example. Yeah, that's true. It's just going to be a tricky line and tightrope to walk because, again, we have so many 6'5 guards, presumably, depending on what happens with trade or whatever. But, yeah, we shall see what happens with THT. We're still hoping for the best, but this year was definitely 
you know, two steps back and a regression from what we expected. And again, a large part of that is due to injuries and external context, but also just THT not improving as much as a shooter, especially, you know, you get those three games off the bat where he hits four of nine from three, three of five from three. And you're like, oh, here we go, buckle up. And it was just such a steep plummet from there. We're hoping that with a little bit of consistency and rhythm, THT can really have a better footing for this next season if he's still on the team. Um, And yeah, I just would have loved to see what a, version of THT would look like if he had had the ball handling keys and the franchise and had given them the keys to run the show sort of like D'Lo and Ingram did because I I feel like what we had always envisioned of THT was that he would lead the next era of Lakers basketball with AD and he would be the primary sort of guard that we could kind of like Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers right but unfortunately the shooting just hasn't come around yet but that doesn't mean it won't we've got one more year left and then THT has a player option for 2023 um but yeah you'd love to have a homegrown talent like tht that we drafted uh with our own pick but uh that a lot of that remains to be seen based off of this offseason so with that said that'll be it on this episode and uh yeah stay tuned for more to come uh tommy i will let you go peace you down with tht yeah you know me all right it's a little little, <laughs> little luke lukewarm but it's still there all right peace At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.